Welcome to the Gateway Research Organization podcast. Research and extension led by farmers for farmers. Come grow with us. Okay, welcome to Wednesday Night Networking. Um, my name is Steve Kenyon and we're with Greener Pastures Ranching. Um, we decided uh, back in December that uh, a lot of the conferences this year didn't have the, the human aspect and uh, the networking was really lacking because that's a big part of what what uh, where my educations come from that that human interaction at the conferences you know sitting around the the coffee table or or going out to that trade show booth and and sitting there and chatting with the you know somebody you haven't seen for a couple months because but they're you know a like-minded producer so that's why we started this up and then the uh, gateway research organization and gray wooded forge association um, they stepped in and helped us uh, set this up so uh, big thanks to them now they are uh, two of the. I think there's twelve forge and forge associations and applied research associations across the province of Alberta. Um, they are not-for-profit organizations that do research and extension, and and you know they bring in speakers. They do the conferences. Um, they're a big part of uh, my education over the last 20 years. So I, I really applaud them and everything that they do. Um, I know most people have groups like that in their area. Um, you know, not-for-profit organizations or even maybe government-funded uh, organizations are part of the government that is doing these associations. Uh, I would highly recommend you get involved with them. Um, you know, be a member and take it, you know, if you want to take another step, be a director on the board, because then you get to direct the, you know, you know, who comes in and what's happening with that, with that association. So uh, it's really, it's an amazing uh, opportunity if you, if you don't know about the Applied Research Association. So a uh, big thank you. Uh, Brenda's on line here representing Grey Wooded Forge Association. Give a big wave, Brenda. Thank you. And uh, uh, I don't know if we got a GROW representative. I guess I'm the GROW representative because I technically am still a director on GROW. So I will, um, usually I say my wife's the representative of that, but she's not here tonight. So um, yeah, so big thank you to them for sponsoring. I'm going to unshare now. And uh, tonight's topic, we are going to talk about succession planning. And we have uh, Kelly Sidoric here. Um, I'm going to let her introduce herself here, here in a little bit. Um, but uh, big, big thanks for her coming out tonight. And our host tonight is uh, uh, Derek Leahy. He's from the uh, Rural Roots to Climate Solutions. And he's going to help kind of keep things organized and going through the chat. So, um, Derek, do you want to just tell a little bit about uh, you and your organization before we get uh, into this? Sure. Thanks, Steve. Uh, so I'm the director of Rural Roots to Climate Solutions. We're uh, based out in Stettler. And basically what we do is providing learning opportunities for farmers, ranchers, and rural communities in general in Alberta to find out how they can benefit from different uh, climate solutions. Basically what we're looking for are things that are good for the farm, good for the land, good for your bottom line, that kind of stuff. So we do workshops, field days, etc. We also have a podcast and just Super excited to be here today. I think this is a really great thing that uh, Grow's got going on right here. It's a really great way to keep community together in some pretty challenging times. Awesome. Thank you, Derek. Um, if you have any questions, um, private message Derek, or we're going we're gonna to run questions through the chat box. I would highly recommend you guys to communicate with each other, right? That private chat, that's what this is all about. Um, um, right now, you got a whole bunch of other people sitting at your table at the conference. so. 
chat with them. If, if you've got an, uh, you know, a question comes up or a topic comes up and you've got a point you'd like to make, or maybe you've got a, a solution or an answer for that, um, please type it in chat. If you want to type it to everybody, that's great. If you want to just type it to that one person uh, individually, that's fine too, if you want to keep it private. But um, so, yeah. Um, with that, I'm going to introduce Kelly here. She's uh, a holistic management educator with Holistic Management Canada. Um, she specializes in the human resource side of it. And to me, that is such an important part. Uh, I've said for years that the human resources is the most important part of my business. And I'm just going to back up a little bit here. I met Kelly in probably 1997, I think. I'm going to guess. Um, she came in as a, a part-time instructor at the college I was at. And I give a lot of credit to her dad as one of my biggest mentors I've ever had. Um, Dennis Wabasar. he, uh, I was the young kid coming out of college and Kelly, I'm going to give you credit or blame for everything that I've done (laughs) (laughs) because I was thinking about it. I've always given credit to your dad because I learned so much from him, but technically I met you first and you told me to go meet your dad. So it's all your fault. Okay. Okay. <laughs> right. Oh, I thank you very much. Cause I, I think you, you saw me as this, uh, over energetic, you know, college kid that had way too many questions and you pawned me off on your dad, I think. And he was so patient with me and I, you know, I, I'm forever, forever grateful for everything that he, he did to me. So, um, that's great. I, so I'm going to blame you tonight. Is that all right? Okay. Yeah, that's totally fine. <laughs> totally fine. Excellent. So uh, Kelly, if you want to just kind of introduce yourself and maybe a little bit about tonight's topic, what do you want a couple? couple? Yeah, sure. Sure. And uh, yeah, I, uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I had reached out to Amber and said, Hey, if you want to, uh, if you want to have a guest, I'd be happy to do it. And then, you know, when it gets closer to the time, you're kind of thinking, what? Okay, is this a really good idea that I'm doing this? But it is a great idea. I'm happy to see a lot of old friends showing up. I can't see everybody uh, without going into the whole participant list, and that might uh, distract me a bit. So I'm not going to do that. But seeing lots of old friends um, coming on, and I really welcome that. Uh, You are very close um, to the correct time, Steve. I was thinking about that when I met you doing that gig at Lakeland. And I was actually expecting our son. And he turned 24 in February. So I think it was the fall of 96 that I met you. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for that bit of a marker, I'm not sure I would remember the exact year, but it was really, really an interesting opportunity. And I so appreciated your curiosity and eagerness to learn and, and, you know, uh, being committed to being a lifelong learner, which so many of us who are involved in holistic management talk about that a lot. Uh, Some of you will have heard pieces of this story before, but I will share them again. It is getting to be many years ago that we first got introduced to holistic management, and it was through my dad, you're right, and what was really appealing to him at the time was, wow, cows and grass, how can we run more cattle on grass? And a good colleague of his, Holtman, and they had been um, 
Blake had been introduced to holistic resource management at the time. Probably it was still the savory grazing method with Al, and I can't even remember the exact term. But one of the things that, so that we started as many did, you know, following the grass and the cows around. And as I started learning more about it and realized that, yeah, they talked about the land and the livestock and the environment, but, oh, they also talked about finances. Okay, that made sense. You know, we need to pay attention to the bottom line. But, wow, they actually included the people. I'd always been very interested in personal growth and leadership, but that was something that even with my job, I was working for an ag publication at the time, all that kind of learning was on separate hours. You know, that's what I did on my weekends or, or evenings. So to come across a, an approach that really incorporated the human element, just I open arms. And so, you know, we did things in all the wrong order, but uh, at the at the same tone, time learned an awful lot. And again, always emphasize the people side of it. You know, can't stress enough the the fantastic, you know, relationships and learning we did along the way. And so then, of course, is that uh, progressed and started working with people and our own experience in our family ranching operation was starting to do this transition piece, the succession, whichever term you want to use. I, it honestly only feels like a few years ago that my brother and I were sitting on the side of the table as the successors and our parents were across the other side or around it. And now here suddenly I'm on the other side and our kids are sitting on the uh, successor side. So, you know, experiences of having gone through it, uh, still going through it again. And now we have a little grandson. So uh, I'm not sure how many times you go through this, but it is a process. It's a journey. There's no doubt about that. And then uh, along the way, had the opportunity to work with other people and help them through this. So, I think, you know, so many mentors, uh, David Irvine is one of them. And, and one of the pieces that he talks about is that, you know, as farmers and ranchers, we're really good at producing things. And we are, you know, in Canada and North America, but uh, we don't have a lot of skill in the people side of things. And so if that isn't something that we should feel bad about, we just, we really aren't skilled at it. And it's like so many other things, you've got to practice and, and then you can develop some skills along the way. Um, I think as you can see with what's going on with the uh, royal family, don't think anybody's got it perfect because even with the vast resources they have, it's still a challenging piece. And uh, and I think in most cases, people are trying to do the best that they can, but are really uncertain of what the first steps are. In our complicated world we live in, we need lawyers and we need tax accounts and we need all those specialists. But I have a pretty strong bias that before all of that, we just need to come together and sit down and create that shared vision, a holistic goal, but really get on the same page as to what kind of future do we want to create? You know, we're so lucky the 
resources we have to work with, the skills of the people we have. You know, I mean, there's just really no end to possibilities, but we have to come together and have those conversations. And they're hard. They're really hard because it gets to the emotional piece, too. We're using a different part of our brain. So that that's led me to a point of really, uh, you know, having the great opportunity to help people and, uh, you know, figure out and map it out uh, the process as they go. So that's kind of the first uh, preamble of uh, of how I got to where I am today. Excellent. Thank you, Kelly. Uh, you mentioned David Irvine, too. Uh, I just put his contact or his his uh, website in the chat box there. Um, yeah, he was a big mentor for me too. A couple of the conferences that I went to, he was an amazing presenter. I remember reading his book, I think it was called True Authenticity. Um, that opened my eyes to, and that's another thing that got me into the teaching part of it because you know my true authenticity switched around from where I was headed and all of a sudden I realized, well, yeah, I mean, this is the direction I need to be going. So uh, that was an amazing book too. I, I I really appreciate that from him and the mm-hmm. whole holistic management background. I mean, the, you know, look, looking at that human, human aspect of, of your farm is, is so important. So, um, and of course the succession planning piece, uh, I was listening to Heather Watson. She's with Farm Management Canada and has done a lot of business analysis and looking at the management component. And in the next 10 years, 75% of farms and ranches are going to transition to the next generation. Only 8% of them have a transition plan. Yeah, there's a there's a huge, huge what they said, like 80 to 90% of the, the wealth is in that, you know, 75 plus years right now. And that's going to transfer over very quickly. So, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, you know, trying to do it in a proactive way. Um, I actually heard a, it was on a different topic, but strong similarities of elderly people and, and when their uh, life situation needed to change. And, and the gal in that case was talking about, you know, have the conversations before it's a crisis. And I will totally echo that one in this process too, because without a shadow of a doubt, and many of you already know and have experienced this, the con- if you think a conversation is hard right now, when everybody's at the table, healthy and of sound mind try to have it when there's somebody missing it's a million times harder and so uh, the more we can do that when everybody's there to uh, to put their two cents worth in and and figure out a way that we can you know communicate better together for sure the hard questions that that is the toughest part to get uh, you know, to, just to be able to sit down and ask those questions, because the the uh, the younger generation doesn't want to seem like they're acting greedy, right? Like, well, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm going to go in there and it's going to sound like I just want everything. And the older generation is they don't know how to say it or don't know, you know, they don't want to let go yet, so they don't want to give up any control. So it is a a very complex situation. We have to think about the different personality styles and how to communicate. Um, I, I heard I heard a fellow say the other day that you have to start from the the point on which you agree, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, if if everything else you don't agree on, okay, find one thing that you agree on. Oh, we want the farm to continue. Okay, there's a point you both probably exactly. want exactly. Yes, you, you want the farm to be profitable. 
Okay. Okay. From there, now where we agree on that, now where can we go? So, for sure, and that's why that uh, you know one of the steps we go through of uh, identifying personal values, and then what of those are important to the farming operation? You know, uh, a connection to the land, profitability. Maybe it's a place where you can provide opportunities to the uh, to the next generation. I mean, certainly that was a case. We had a lot of opportunities, and that's a, a piece that I want to pass on. I also talk about just referencing my parents again that, uh, you know, our, I don't think I know there, it wasn't perfect by any means. And there was bumps along the way. I won't uh, say that it was perfect. I don't know if anybody's is, but I always feel that because dad and mom wanted to have the conversation, that was a gift that was given to us. Cause always right up at the beginning, like we got to talk about this. We got to figure this out. This is complicated. What are we going to do? You know, um, instead of having uh, no, we're not going to talk about it. So uh, yeah, there isn't a perfect uh, solution, but you know, and another important piece is we try to come together is really recognizing that everybody has a different perspective. And, you know, when we take some time to share that a little bit, and sometimes it'll be the most um, simple thing when people reflect on it. And one will say, well, is that what you meant that day, 25 years ago when we were walking across the yard? That wasn't what I took it to be at all. And 25 years later, there's still that um, impression that was left that was uh, was not intended at all. Somewhere along the line, I have that, you know, the in our attempts at good communication, all we're really doing is miscommunicating. And uh, and I think that's true for sure. But there is such strong connections in our operations. But, you know, the flip side of it, too, is just because we're related doesn't mean we're meant to work together, you know, and um, or or we don't have to do it in a really traditional way that everybody else did. I think these young kids that are coming up are bright and creative and, and they have great ideas for working relationships that are less traditional than what we have gotten used to. And maybe it doesn't have to be access to the whole farm. Maybe it's just access to 40 acres to be able to have a Christmas tree farm, you know, but there, there's a lot of paradigms. And, and I mean, I'm guilty of them too, you know, that well, we got to a certain size and we do things a certain way. So we're going to take this box and we'll just transition it just like that. Well, I think we should blow up the box because it's not realistic. And the, the, uh, upcoming generation has a different skill set, you know. I mean, my kids are not exactly like me. There's similarities, but, you know, so things that they're really passionate about um, and really smart and want to pursue might not be the enterprise that I am interested in. So there's that piece of a letting go, which, again, when I look back to my parents, I mean, we made some huge changes in our operation and the amount of letting go dad and, and mom did for that was uh you know uh kind of remarkable but uh yeah yeah sometimes that's hard to do just letting go like that yes yes very hard to do <laughs> i bet yeah. okay well let's let's go to some questions here kelly derek what do you got for us uh so we got uh blue set campbell you guys have a question in the chat box do you guys want to unmute and ask your question yes hi there thank you so hey, Blue Kelly. Set. hey, 
Um, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for, um, for doing this. Uh, I, I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you would determine who is going to be on that succession team. So obviously the people who, who um, have the business, who own the business or are the parents perhaps would be part of the team because it's theirs. And maybe there's somebody who is already working on there. So that makes sense. But how do you um, know who to invite that might be not doing the work, but still feels very connected to the land or the family business and wants to be a part of the conversation or, or doesn't, but should be, (laughs) Um, how do you start that conversation? Well, as you won't be surprised to hear, it's the more the merrier, which actually makes it way more complicated, but really to start out being as inclusive as possible. And, you know, uh, your family is a perfect example of that, of how inclusive that they've always been with the daughter-in-laws and the next generation. And I think that, that that's a starting point because there will be pieces where we're talking about the business, but there's also pieces where we'll be talking about the family. And there's the three circle model with families in business. And so that those are the two of them. One is family, one is business, and the other is ownership. And they overlap. And so I think it's a really good model to follow because if we're starting out trying to be inclusive and have everybody in the room, when we get to different junctures in our conversations, then maybe we'll say, okay, this next piece we're going to talk about is actual business stuff for the next two hours. Not everybody has to be here for that, right? If you're not actively involved in the business or it might be an ownership issue, you know, maybe the parents are still owners, but aren't actively involved. Okay. Then the, the discussion around that they need to be in. And of course the family piece, um, everybody does, but you know what? I've been asked the question, you know, should the, the, should that be the spouses as well as the children that are included? And always yes, because, you know, it goes a little bit back to the piece of the impressions that we leave. And, you know, when you think of it, especially if it's a, a challenging conversation and now somebody's going to learn about it through one of the people that was there, but they weren't there themselves, you know, that's not the best uh line of clear-cut communication at all. But if everybody's there to hear what mom and dad are saying and and intending, then they can make their own impressions. Plus, then there's so much less um, chance of getting caught in the middle. uh, On our HM uh, video a couple of weeks ago, we used Nicole Masters' soil web with all the different strings. And, you know, David Irvine showed we can do that web with the family too. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's complicated. So the more people can be involved in that piece of it. And then if you're clear too, you know, about, okay, this is, this is how we see it happening. And when we are discussing certain issues, we'll just keep it to that sector of people. Then everybody's really clear. Um, as and helping to clarify the roles too. May I ask a follow-up question? <laughs> sure, Blue. <laughs> um, so in regards to the people who are the primary owners that want to pass their business down, can you maybe give an example of or talk about some sticky points when they approach the younger generation on those conversations? 
So what I'm imagining is that some kids are going to want to be involved and some kids aren't going to want to be involved or don't want to do the work maybe. So what kind of conversation would the ownership have or the parents have to kids who just feel maybe slightly entitled to a piece of the business, but don't want to make the lifestyle? Um, I think that happens quite often. So somebody's there doing all the work, kind of living, taking the risks and certainly getting the benefits too. But then there's other siblings who are like, but I always want to come back and use, you know, hunt, use the facilities, do that kind of thing, but I don't want to live here. So maybe give an example of one of those kinds of conversations. Well, you know, one thought that comes to mind is you can use those three circles again, because uh, the one that's working there and, and uh, day to day is in the business circle. So there's different pieces of roles and responsibilities and benefits that go along with that, right? And, you know, if it's the family person that's not active, but still there is a central place, you know, where they um, are welcome to come and spend a few weeks in the summer or however that might work. So I can see where that, there's a, a piece of it that helps kind of identify which, which uh, circle you're in, so to speak. Does that help? But also the other thing that you also I think of there is that the financial piece, because so often what's happening is there isn't good shared knowledge about the finances. And so, um, you know, certainly the business people need to know what's going on the business finances. You know, that's up to individuals, how much of the other piece, you know, if you've got some, uh, offside private wealth or something, uh, then, you know, that doesn't necessarily have to be shared. And again, you know, learning from David, as you said, you know, it's the parents that really at the end of the day, get to make the choice, but hopefully it's done in such a way that they've been inclusive and let the next generation know, not just the carrot one day, this will all be yours. Well, now I'm 55. I feel like I've been waiting long enough. You know, Um, that's not my age, of course. But uh, anyway, uh, good questions for sure. For sure, Blueset. Thanks. Kelly, I want to add to Blueset's question a little bit. One thing that I've heard about and, you know, uh, talked about a lot in the past uh, is more on the legal side of it. I mean, once you get past the conversation side, you got to go to the legal side. Uh, What about sweat equity? Right. She talked about that one one uh, child that's working and, and have it has, you know, they, they've got some uh, some risk in the game here, whereas the other ones don't. So does that ever come up? Is that an option that we could talk about uh, about sweat equity for that one? For sure, for sure. And two good examples that I've heard, and you probably, you know them both. Um, One is from Merle Good, who's a, you know, well-known specialist in Alberta on succession planning. And now his daughter, Anessa, is also doing that kind of work. But one, he used an equation to take the, um, the the farm wage versus what an off-farm wage would have been if that individual went and did something else and use the differential there and then multiplied that by however many years the uh, individual had been putting that sweat equity. Um, Also, I like Gabe Brown's theory 
or idea that they set up with their son, Paul. And this was ahead of time that for the, for his sweat equity, there was a percentage of the operation that he would get each year. And they had, they've got two children, I think. And, um, and the daughter was, um, dealt with in a different way, but that was just, and of course it's like everything else, you know, it's way better when you decided ahead of time than trying to go back, but, you know, just, and I think sometimes you can come up just with some ballpark numbers, you know, that I, and I don't know what they are and I'm not going to suggest, but each family might have something appropriate. The other thing too, when we talk about those kind of things is I think we need to be um, mindful and accepting that it's going to be a range, you know, nobody's going to be dead on of everything that they wish in it. But if we can come to the table with a willingness to come up with a solution that is as fair and equitable as possible, it's not going to be equal. You've heard lots of people say that, but, you know, maybe there can be some give and take and, and different arrangements that, uh, that can help offset certain things. Excellent. I always tell my kids even now that, you know what, life's not fair. It doesn't always have to be perfectly fair because life's not that way. <laughs> so excellent. Uh, Derek, you got another question lined up for us? Yeah, I'm just going to uh, take the helm here. Uh, just as Etienne was having some trouble with uh, their mic. So it's a multiple part question. So what kind of options are available when someone wants to leave the land to their children but have someone else manage it without the land being sold to cash out. So we could start with that part and I can ask the other two parts as we go along. Okay. Well, there's a number of ways and, uh, and certainly there's some people that are familiar with that, but it can just be um, figuring out some kind of leaseholder agreement so that the, the owners are, or the children of the owners are off farm, but having some kind of, management by somebody else you know and again i think involving as many people as you can so that there is a shared goal or vision can come to come through that the other uh, area that i'm not super familiar with but i i'm understanding they have lots of different ways of doing things is with some uh, land conservancies you know so then it, the ownership is staying with some cave pretty it can be established by the family but then the management piece can be um can be with somebody else outside family i mean certainly in the united states so many ranches are are ran that way that they have an off-site you know uh or not off-site unrelated ranch manager but uh not all of ours are that at that kind of scale either. So, but, you know, trying to find people that have the, um, the similar values and similar visions, no different than with our own family. Thank you. Okay. And the follow-up to that would be how, how do you protect all the parties involved? So how do you protect the wishes of the landowner? So those wishes are honored and also how the new management, how are they protected in these agreements? Well, you know, I guess the you we know full well we cannot cover every eventuality in in our agreements, but the more we can talk about what is important to us in this operation, and of course everybody's going to be different. Um, I think it's really important to go through that process of creating that vision. You know, in five years, 10, 20, what do you really want this place? 
to look like. Um, but I also think an important piece of it is, and this applies to families just as much as non-families, is, you know, we don't know for sure that this is going to work out. Um, we hope it does. But let's have some kind of exit clause that if it doesn't work out, you know, in our time span of five years or whatever, this is a way that we would uh, get out of it. Um, you know, certainly those kind of uh I agree those operating agreements exist with a lot of other businesses. And I think it's a strategy that can be talked about, you know, and, and being really clear on expectations, having a regular way of communicating and monitoring. So are the expectations being met? And I think those types of meetings are important where it's very clear that every quarter or every six months, we're going to sit down and have an evaluate evaluative process, whatever that might look like. So people don't get blindsided by it. They were clear about the expectations, clear about metrics. So let's see how we're doing on those. Kelly, you said you, you were talking about, you know, starting that conversation and getting that going a little, little while ago, somewhere in there, click for me. Um, maybe an easy way to start the conversation about succession planning is maybe just have a mission statement building process, right? Just to, you know, it, so it doesn't scare people away, right? Okay, let's just make a mission statement, right? Let's, let's see if we're going in the same direction. And, and, you know, in, in that conversation, you're going to find out if mom and dad are, are heading in the same direction as the, you know, the son and daughter-in-law or the daughter and the son-in-law. Yeah, um, it's, it's a good way to initiate those conversations without actually saying succession planning and maybe, you know, having those negative feelings out of that. For sure. For sure. Um, another, uh, you, you know, or even if it's just a goal setting, I mean, there's some easier uh, exercises that you can do. Uh, another one is a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Let's just sit down as a family and brainstorm what goes into that. I mean, the, the, the amount of positive, uh, outcomes that comes from building that strength column together is pretty um is pretty amazing actually you know because then fathers hear somebody else like a son say something about you know one of the strengths of our operation is the leadership we've had all these years you know and and uh, again it's one of those conversations that you probably aren't having, maybe not. And so, uh, so that's a good one. And, you know, starting out, you know, the questions like, why are we, why are we farming? What's our purpose? You know, which fits in with what you're saying, Steve, the, um, the mission statement or, you know, a three-part holistic context with what kind of quality of life do we want here? What do we need to produce to achieve that? And what do we want our, not only our family, but our operation and our community to look like long into the uh, future? But again, you know, the point that is, is a really good one, Steve, about taking some smaller steps, you know, like, uh, and, and another thing to throw out there, and this isn't necessarily the easiest one or the starting point, but everybody should have a contingency plan. You know, the bases need to be covered. You've heard some of the people talk about having their black binder so that the information is in there that if there is a catastrophe tomorrow, 
a lot of the pieces are in place. And that's something that uh, we were certainly grateful for because dad had really shared the decision-making and management long before he passed. So that, you know, as hard as it still was, there was, you know, familiarity with how to run the ranch without, uh, without him being there. Excellent. Awesome. Derek, is there another part to that one or are we on to the next one? From me, actually, I got a follow-up question if that's okay. <laughs> you bet. Thanks, Kelly. Yeah, I was curious. Uh, you mentioned metrics and evaluation. And are there any like templates or examples we could access for something? Like I, I know like the main metric in agriculture uh, is like profitability, but I'm, I'm assuming for this conversation to find out if something's working out with your successor, that there could be other ways you could evaluate it. And yeah, for sure. For sure. I'd have, you know, I know in some of the uh, holistic management, and this is older material where they did have that kind of checklist of expectations for management. And then with that, it was a way to build in a bonus piece of it. But there's certainly a lot of different, you know, even if you go to something like, uh, team effectiveness survey. I don't have any off the top of my head, but there's lots that you can Google. And and, um, another thing that I just prompts me to think about, um, and it's not as detailed as that, Derek, but something that uh, I've been using lately is just to asking everybody in the group um, to think of the three areas in their family operation. So the one area, people, another is finances, and the other is land and livestock or cropping. And each person on their own, on a scale of one to 10, evaluates how well they are doing in each of those areas. One is not good at all, terrible, and 10 is fantastic. So that's a really simple way to start things off, going back to Steve's question, you know, how do you think we're doing in these areas? And many, and I've used this with all different types of groups, it didn't matter what type of agriculture they were they were in, but the vast majority, that low ranking one is going to be the people recognize it, but it's hard to, uh, it's hard, it's not usually production, sometimes it's finances too, but uh, that didn't totally answer your question, but developing some kind of m- m- matrix, you know, just an evaluation. What do we need to monitor? What are the important pieces, you know, and how can we go about that? But again, be very clear and intentional that, you know, in June is when we come together to look at that. So people aren't scared or blindsided. It's clear that we're going to keep reviewing and having a feedback loop. Okay. Thanks, Kelly. Uh, Steve, do you want me to jump to Denise's question? Yeah, you bet. Next question. Sorry, I wasn't paying attention. All good. Uh, the two of us, right? I, I was answering questions in chat. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Denise, do you want to turn on your camera and unmute yourself and ask your question? Hi. Um, yeah, what, what I'm just thinking about is um, we have, you know, if you have children that live far away, um, are almost even estranged from the family, what do you do in situations like that? How do you, you know, how do you make, um, and I think you know, what you were saying about um, things aren't always fair in life, maybe uh, ring true here, but how do, you, how do you do that so that you don't have huge resentment at the end and maybe the beginning is a conversation? That's my question. 
Yeah, you know, I, uh, Denise, thank you for that. And I personally can, can speak to some challenges because one our one daughter is living in New Zealand. And so, you know, the challenge I completely get with young adults and young families of trying to get everybody together is very difficult. Um, but for the first meeting, I think, you know, when it becomes known that, you know, we've got to start talking about this, we are going to do our best to get everybody together. And, you know, at that point in time, you know, when you ask people for input and participation, if they choose to not be involved any further, that's then their choice. But you included and invited them to be there. Um, and then, you know, lucky technology, you know, where we can use Zoom. And in fact, it's a number of years ago that I worked with a family, actually, and they one daughter at the last minute couldn't get there. And so we did, I think it was Skype we used at the time, but even um, having somebody, you know, to... Uh, some way to at least in that first meeting you know we need to talk about these some things we need to figure some things out and so we are going to uh invite everybody to be there if they decline then at least i think the invitation was extended denise and i think that's important thank you kelly um yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna jump in here you quite a few years ago we actually had kelly come out to our uh, our place and we did a family um, succession planning or just a communication planning meeting. And I believe we use Skype for one of our. Uh, yes, yes, yes. And you know I what? Gonna... The, I think you did too, because there was, I feel like the computer was propped on a high chair because there was somebody in a high chair at that meeting too. Yeah, so that, that was quite uh, a yeah. while ago. Yeah. Yeah. Quite a while yeah. Ago. The but... high chair kid is way beyond a high chair. I'm certain of that now, but uh, yeah. 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 So I guess what I would like to add to that then is, okay, if someone was to bring you out and to do mm -hmm. a succession plan, what does that look like, right? For people on here who've never even thought about that. Okay. Um, uh, Kelly, uh, we need, we need help with this. What do we do? What, what happens? Just kind of explain it and show it. And Okay. Well, it's, uh, it's different for every, um, uh, every situation because of course every operation is unique but the basic um, idea is trying to plan a get together an in-person or whatever the bulk of us being in person to spend a day to a day and a half um, working on a lot of these different questions prior to that there's pre-work where I would talk with, sometimes it's individuals if they're not in a partnership, but often it is um, couples, you know, individually and just get a sense of the lay of the land. Um, because sometimes they'll just maybe share a little bit and it's, you know, not, it's uh, confidential, but just to get some idea that, you know, there could be some challenges or some assets that we're dealing with, you know, um, human assets. So. To, to get a sense of what um, is going to look like and also make sure that everybody has expressed to me what their expectations of that time together are, you know, and some will be what well, we've got to decide about, you know, that other yard or whatever, or just so that everybody has some really clear expectations so we can come together, you know, talk about the 
values and why we're doing this and create that shared vision and the goal. And even, you know, maybe talk about, okay, if this in five years, which, wow, but that'll, we'll start that sentence off with by 2026, you know, and what's this place going to look like? So if that's what we're heading for, what do we need to start doing um, tomorrow or the next day? But then after that, you know, the process is is still lengthy as a plan comes together and, you know, the different specialists get engaged, like the lawyers and the accountants and, you know, figuring out a timeline and who's going to be responsible and trying to have... um, pretty some clear steps at the end of the meeting of what has to happen next, who's going to do it and when that's just kind of a rough idea. Sometimes it takes a day. Sometimes it's a day and a half, you know, depending on, um, on the situation. Excellent. And make sure you got a high chair available for the computer. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And if anybody else needs to sit in the high chair and again, you know, maybe the the first piece of it is or and maybe there is some kind of family barbecue built in that night for supper or something, you know, so there is a celebratory aspect to it at all, as well as some hard work and nitty gritty and tough conversations. Excellent. Awesome. Derek, what do you got for us? There's nothing in the chat at the moment. Um, Steve, I don't know if you got a couple questions yourself. I could probably pummel Kelly with questions all night. So just let me know when you want to unleash me. Go ahead, ask her one. I don't know if this is a fair question to ask because it's more like a psychological question, but I'm just wondering, like, how do you prepare yourself for that conversation as the person who's going to give up the farm eventually? Like, it's been your life for so long and all of a sudden you have to have this conversation. And sometimes it's with somebody who's not even related to you. It's like a perfect stranger like me. Like how, yeah, how do you prep yourself for something like that? Well, you know, that is a, that, uh, that is a really a good question. And I think just for everybody to acknowledge what a giant, what a giant step of letting go that is. And, um, you know, so other, sometimes I will definitely uh, ask, like, is there some other uh, trusted advisors confidence, you know, I mean, in many cases it is, it, it is the the dad that we're talking about, you know, like, do they have a good relationship with the accountant or the lawyer, or is there somebody that, you know, maybe it's the mom or maybe it's one of the kids that can, can kind of start prompting it a little bit, but sometimes it might be somebody, you know, maybe it's his golf buddy, you know, somebody that can help just start guiding the process a little bit too. Uh, and I think it's really important that everybody honors that, that it is a a letting go, Um, but also frame it in such a way of what are they going to, and let's try to create and help them create. And maybe that's their own personal journey, but you know, okay, if we aren't going to be doing this 24 seven, what are some things that I'd like to do again? You know, I'm reminded of a fellow who they'd been on a ranch uh, for a really long time. And when it came time, he actually developed a really strong interest in gardening. And, you know, he was still growing things, but uh, kudos to him because he was able to make that shift to have his life look differently. But I think it's important to encourage you know, what other things and what kind of roles can they play? You know, can they be trusted advisors? Maybe they're going to come be a hired hand once in a while and uh, and those kind of things. But acknowledging that the role is going to shift and that's not an easy one. 
I that stepping away is probably harder than stepping in. Depends on the situation. But the other thing when you're uh, saying that it's a psychological question, I forgot to say that one of the first things I always say is that I am not a trained therapist or counselor, along with the lawyer, the tax accountant. And sometimes if there's some challenges, then we'll recommend, hey, let's go do some work in this area with somebody who's really skilled at that. And then we can come back and keep working on it. Kelly, you're more of a facilitator. Exactly. Right? Yes. You're, you're yes. there to, to get the discussion going. Yes. Yeah. No, yes. I, I, I agree with yeah. that. Yeah. 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 For sure. Um, I'd also like to add to that, Kelly, that when you, you know, do your goal setting or t- talk about succession planning, maybe we're not going in the same direction. Right. Maybe that's a something that you need to figure out right at the beginning, because uh, I'm actually on the other side of that. Um, uh, I'm not on my family farm. And I didn't actually go through the whole process of figuring that out. But, you know, one of the best decisions I ever made was I left the family farm. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I'm, I mean, um, all of our family farm land is rented out, right? Somebody else is farming it. Um, my, my, we had three boys in our family and none of us are, are on the farm. Um, and I was the one that was going to take over the farm. And I tried there for a couple of years and my dad and I never really got along right? We're just different personality styles and, and it just wasn't working. And uh, I'm not saying to everybody, anybody to give up, but one of the best decisions I ever made was that I left the family farm, right? It doesn't, it, it doesn't mean you have to, you know, it, you have to continue that, that line because the positive out of this is I have never had a better relationship with my father than I do mm-hmm. now, right? Mm-hmm. He's happy when I come visit right? Mm-hmm. We, we were constantly at, at odds and, and arguing and fighting all the time. And the fact that I moved away, started my own business and, you know, built up my own farm somewhere else. Um, what, 20 years later, right? We're doing fine. And we've never had a better human relationship, right? Or, or personal relationship. So I'm happy that it went the way that it did. Um, so it doesn't always have to go one direction, Right. You don't have to have to have that perfect succession plan, um, but, you know, definitely try it. I'm not saying just give up, but uh, maybe you're going totally different directions and it's not going to work out because of a you know personality difference or something. Um, but I just wanted to throw that out there that, uh, you know, it doesn't always work out. And sometimes that's for the for the best. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I can uh, I, I there's one family I know and one of the. Uh, one of the sons was more interested in the grain side of it. And one was more interested in the cattle side of it, you know, or maybe the enterprises that different people are wanting to pursue are so uh, different and unique that it's best not to um, try to work together. Like I said, just because we're related doesn't mean we're meant to work together. And I think in agriculture, we do feel that, um, that pressure a little bit. And I see that from the other side too. What about if you don't have any children that want to take over the operation? What about bringing somebody that's not blood related in as a successor? Why not? Right? Like there's people that are passionate about it. Um, one of the things that I've always looked at, or for quite a few years now, looked at is the personality style difference. For right? sure. If, for sure. If dad is one way, as an example, he's one personality. Yeah. Um, We've got to make sure that, you know, your, your children are not necessarily the same personality. They might, 
need a completely different set of circumstances to be able to come in and take that over. Are they really dominant and need to be a leader? Are they really, you know, are they very friendly and social and need to connect with people, right? Like that, that person is not going to sit in a tractor 12 hours a day. Like that's just not going to work for them. So you can't expect your children to do exactly what you're doing because they might be a totally different personality. So we have to include that in our thought process in the succession plan. If they're going to take over, can you design the farm to go in the direction that their personality would, you know, fit? And not only design, but let it go <laughs> in a different direction. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that's a really that's a really good point. And I think that, you know, so when you're thinking about people that are non-family, you know, what skill sets are you looking for? Um, and what personality styles are you looking for? You know, and then trying to build a, a collaborative agreement or relationship that you can move forward with uh, different roles and responsibilities. But again, being clear on what they are, clear on expectations, and um, how are we going to monitor to see if we're on the right track? And it's okay if you're not, right? It isn't going to work all the time. Cool. Derek, you got another one for us? I do. Uh, apparently, Blusette's having a very lovely supper right now, so she just wants me to read it out. Uh, <laughs> okay. She wants to know if you can give some examples of successful successful transitions from family to non-family members. Well, I think that the what we just talked about, Derek, might have uh, given some examples of that, you know, where they were really... Uh, I mean, you know, and then there's also the piece, too, that sometimes it's not that the family person, the child doesn't want to take it over. Sometimes there aren't children to uh, take it over. And it is it is very hard sometimes to find somebody. But, you know, sometimes it's hard, like Steve saying, when it's our own kid not doing it the same way we expect it to be done, too. So um, just trying to really uh, be creative and think out of the box, I think, for for what kind of. Uh, transition and 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 maybe having some support with the transition process too you know not only the stepping in part being really clear on that one but also the stepping away what does that look like again same principle as when it's a family member are mom and dad going to be gone for three months every winter well you know if you've got a lot of stuff going on in the winter who replaces some of that? So I'm not sure if that's a good answer. Um, another thing that just came back, bounced back from a previous um, comment that Steve was making, that the golden circle of Simon Sinex, where there's the three um, circles and the center one is the why. And if you followed any of his um work. And Simon Sinek is not a farmer or rancher at all. He's a leadership guru, probably we'd say, but that the really successful organizations spend a lot of time on their why, why they do what they do. And then the next circle out is the how, how we're going to do it. And the bigger um, final one is the what. And that, um, I think, Steve's con comment about when personalities don't always click, you know, that's what's happening. That's the how is, you know, you're probably it's it's the how we do things that people have conflict over. So if you can bring everybody back to the why are we doing this space, then sometimes you can uh, 
sidestep some of that. I think it's really valuable. And, and, and just again, going back to that big vision and the goal and why are we doing what we're doing and, and what does success look like? Because success is going to look different for different families for sure. And individuals. I think I'm going to add to that question a little bit, Kelly, for you. Um, I've, I've never done it, but I've heard in the past, there's ways of bringing in outside you know, people to come in and take over the farm if the kids don't want to um, through an insurance plan, like a life insurance plan. Mm-hmm. So you would take out a life insurance plan on mom and dad or the, 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 the children, right? These are probably adult children. Mm-hmm. And then you'd mm-hmm. basically be paying a life insurance plan. And if in that case, somebody dies in that situation, the, the new person coming in, the outsider coming in is paying the insurance. And then if somebody dies, all the kids get a payout but then the land switches over to the new owner, right? Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm, they get mm -hmm. a cash, you know, pull out out of that. It's kind of like that new person's coming in and renting the, you know, leasing it. And then if if and when somebody passes away, then everybody gets a payout and the new person owns the land. Is that happened? Uh, I haven't seen it lots, but I've definitely heard of that one for sure. And uh, just when you said, uh, if, if and when somebody passes away, I want to go back to the piece in some of our conversations about it's not an if, it's a when, right? And I think that's one of the things that, you know, as a society, we we try to avoid that, but it is inevitable. And, and so if we can set the stage to have a legacy that's transitioned already and that that the next generation, even if they aren't our own, can carry on with it and, and continue to build in their own way, then that's a really, really important and valid piece. I like that legacy piece and talking about, you know, and even in the conversations, you know, what does that mean to the parents? Because the kids probably have a different idea if they haven't had that conversation of what it might mean, you know? Yeah, we definitely have to have those conversations. What is the, there's a saying that I've heard, I don't know, I haven't heard it for years. There's the five D's, right? We have to be prepared for those five D's. So there's death, there's divorce, disability. What? Divesture. Divesture, what's that? Selling everything. Oh, okay. Um, What else is there? There's another one. I think, did you say divorce? Yeah, divorce, death. Divorce is one. That might be that, one. Yeah. And the new one, and I don't know if it makes it six, but dementia. I've heard that one added to it lately. Yeah. That's true. So we yeah. have to be planning for them, and it's so much easier ahead of time. Yes. Yes. For sure. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, sorry, Todd Towers here. Just joined a little late. Uh, oh, great. Sort of popping in and out. Yeah. Just keying into some of your points there. I mean, Kelly, I think what you're talking about, certainly Simon Senek is someone we follow in our organization in terms of getting to why and building a purpose-built organization Mm -hmm. but what you're indicating by uh uh, steven by bringing other people in is that you're at you're you're going through a transaction so call it whatever you will you know it's it's reverse buyout a a, a, it's an eventual sale right so ultimately that's what that's what you're talking about so you know, what, what's your plan? I think you have to get to your why and what's your plan? What do you want to plan for? Do you want to plan for future next generation? you know, keeping land together, keeping farms working, or do you want to sell it? Right. So Mm -hmm. lots of ways to skin a cat, but 
for sure. And one of the things we had just made a reference to earlier too was, you know, uh, they're becoming more popular, but the land conservancies that, uh, you know, then own the land, but then, you know, are having somebody else manage it. And I don't know the details of it or, or, but I'm interested. And I think that there, there's a role that they can play in certain um, transitions to be. I'm really interested in terms of, the next generation's understanding of so you know past understanding is that as my dad always says uh you only sell it once so you know you can put things in the conservancies you can you can exit but what's the next generation of uh talking a little bit about conservation and community and consumer the drivers about working collectively with farmers to do different types of businesses without having to sell the land or lock it all up into mm-hmm. uh, some government entity. I think there's some interesting partnerships and opportunities there uh, that we need to look at creatively to uh, to do what what has been done before in a new way. Absolutely. And, you know, I remember a few years ago, somebody was saying, you know, to us, ranchers that there was going to be a way that all of a sudden this food you know you'd order a steak and it would be delivered to your door and yeah okay (laughs) you know and like look what's happened with covid and and i think the boost that that's given to the direct uh food producers and direct marketing you know for a lot of young people and perhaps then they don't need the land base that they once thought you know that you had to run 300 cows or whatever so i think that the opportunities you're absolutely right with being creative collaborative and uh different relationships are really starting to flourish and and got a good kickstart with COVID for sure. Yeah, you're certainly seeing a lot with, um, I don't know if anyone's seen anything on the kind of the NFT or blockchain kind of technology, but there's going to be a lot of opportunity to unlock value without having to sell everything uh, in the future. And from commodities trading to carbon offsets, uh, going direct to consumer from the farmer rather than waiting for the government to tell you how you were supposed to do it and, and take the lion's share of it all. So I think we're, we're not there yet, but we're quickly going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. We need Within guys like you that are smart enough to help uh, and experienced with us. Cause some of the uh, terms that you're using, I feel a bit are over my head, but I know what you're talking about with the different relationships with the supply chain and the piece about carbon too, you know, and the opportunities for, that kind of management that are going to uh, to come up seem to be happening more and more all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think that the, the supply chain thing is, I mean, is we're a global economy and how we sell our intellectual property and property and services and, and benefits that are, are within sort of farming, ranching practices are, are drastically changing. Mm-hmm. Like th- there's a tectonic shift happening right now and it's really hard to kind of get your head around, but we're, we're going to see a, a lot of new markets open up within the next, I'd say three to five years. So from, from sort of different practices and selling offsets and selling your commodities in different way through smart contracts. And mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're in a big shift for sure. Well, that's excellent. That's excellent. And again, that's the opportunity for younger people to step in and be able to, uh, 
to take advantage of some of those uh, opportunities or work them in if it's appropriate for your operation. You know, it doesn't just have to be doing the same thing that mom and dad did, you know, but granted those operations now have grown so much in the last 15, 20 years in value too, that that's uh, that, that really weighs heavy on people. I think when they're, I I've heard numerous people say, you know, it would just be so easy if we just had that savings account and the house in town and, you know, we could sell the house upon death. And then we took the piece and just divided it equally. I'm sure it's not easy in that situation either, but uh, for bigger uh, egg or more complicated, Ag operations, that's certainly something that people uh, talk about for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Um, Kelly, just before we get to our next question, I do have, uh, I got a private message from Owen and he told me that the other D was dung beetles. Okay. <laughs> Is that Owen Nelson saying that? Yes. Uh, yes. yes. So I can okay. call him out. I can pick <laughs> okay. on him. So. Um, yeah. Uh, Derek, what do you got for us? You got another question, I, I think. Yeah, we got a question from Tim and it's uh, related to trust. And I, I think Tim's trying to plan quite a far ahead here, which is probably not a bad idea. He's just wondering, what do you do if you know your heirs aren't of age yet to even start that conversation? Or you just have no idea if they'll be interested in farming? Well, you know, you've heard the the phrase about when was the te- when's the best time to plant a tree, and it the answer is twenty years ago. When's the next best time? Tomorrow or today? I should say today. And I think in a little way, in a way that um, fits in with that too. You know, we can't know what our kids are going to uh, want to do, but I think always trying to have a culture of opportunity if they want to. But also, you know, a lot of times we struggle with that turning into pressure too, that they need to come back. So, you know, I think having those open conversations from the get-go, one of the families that I've worked with over the years, like started when their kids were in high school and they didn't have the first clue what they were going to be doing. But, you know, just knowing that the opportunity was there if they wanted it, but um, if they didn't, that was fine too, you know, and then there's been lots of cases where in, you know, later years where kids have left with no intentions of coming back and then turn around and come and say, Hey, you know what? We think we want to come back. We've done our gig for 10 or 15 years and it has value for us to raise our family you know, in the ag community or whatever. So again, you know, it, it's a it's an organic process. It's a journey. It's never going to be kind of final, I don't think, because um, yeah, just when you get through one phase, another one is going to uh, be coming along. Yeah, the number of stories I've heard that you know the the children go off and get another career and do something else, and then all of a sudden they realize that you know what, that's not quite what I wanted something's I'm missing something and they want to come back um, or even the new farmer right uh, just they've got a career and they don't like the rat race anymore and all of a sudden they just decide they're they're going to be a farmer so yeah yeah you know honestly like the term first gen farmer is not something that we've heard a lot before the last three to five years, probably, you know, we didn't used to think of it in those terms. There certainly was some, but uh, it wasn't such a popular situation, I guess, or set of circumstances. But I mean, those individuals bring a ton of value back to the uh, 
operation for sure. But, you know, I think, again, going back to what we said before, you know, creating that shared common vision, and it might be quite different than it is right now. But um, when everybody can come to the table and talk about what the possibilities there are with a positive intent of trying to, you know, maintain and build relationships, that's one of the things that David talks about, too, is that trying to keep them together um, is a piece of it as you uh, work and do the best that you can. And there'll be some missteps for sure, but we're only human after all. I think there might be a song like that, isn't there? Yeah. And, and our goals change over time, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. 20 years ago, I was dealing in diapers and, and putting food on the table, right? Well, diapers are long gone. Um, you know, our, our whole set of goals change over those, over those years. Um, you know, what mom and dad want, you know, 15 years ago is different than what they want today. Mm-hmm. And vice versa, what the what the kids want too. So um, those conversations, you know, we, we have have to have them once. Maybe we have to have them twice or three times, right? Every every few years, have those conversations because our entire lifestyle lifestyle changes. Um, I mean, it goes from diapers to university like that. Um, <laughs> that's what I absolutely found. yeah yeah and you know the piece I was thinking about this today and the whole concept of change and how I think as humans we're we're adverse to it and I was wondering after this year of COVID and and I'm talking to Derek at the beginning about this you know that uh, luckily for many of us on the farms and ranches our days aren't any different than they were two years ago but you know uh, society has had a lot of big changes and and does that make us a little easier to change I don't know it'll be interesting to see what happens um you know, I think there is some suggestion that that some of the succession planning conversations have been sped up, perhaps because of concerns about death, one of the D's, right? You know, that concern was there before, but maybe it's more front and center now and encouraging people to have that conversation that, you know, does somebody else, the simple things like, who knows the password to the bank accounts, you know, um, and those kind of things that you don't want to talk about that eventuality, but there's just some basic business practices that it, there needs to be some shared information of those kind of things. And, and, and as you move forward and there's younger people involved in the operation, it helped them to to uh, establish relationships with the other people that you work with, with your customers and your s- suppliers and the lawyers and the accountants too. How do you get those, those involved in the discussions, right? I mean, you talk to the family and now, okay, now we need lawyers and accountants. Like that's a whole nother ball game. Where, where do you go from there? Well, you know, again, it'll be an individual situation, you know, when we get to that point, you know, okay, do you guys have a lawyer that you have a good relationship with? When was the last time you updated your wills? Give them a call because you need to do that soon, right? Um, And so some of them have, you know, and then we'll say, ask that question, do they work together? Have your lawyers and accountants worked together? And some will say yes, some will say no. Well, maybe it would be a good idea that they, you know, come together and we're all at a meeting. Um, Sometimes people have to go find somebody that's more specialized. Maybe they haven't done any uh, work in that area. And of course, there's lots of people out there and, you know, so it, but that's the same as anything, you know, it needs to be you can be recommended someone, but you need to go and meet them and um, 
decide if they're a good fit for you, right? Because just because somebody recommends a doctor doesn't mean you're going to think that they're the greatest. So I do have a question about visions. Okay, okay. go ahead. Yeah. How do you create a vision? Like from what I uh, would have been hearing from you, Kelly, like you can't predict the future, obviously, like uncertainty is going to come, but it almost sounds like that vision for your farmer ranch. Like that's got to be the guiding light, the North star, but I don't know if a lot of us know how to actually like create that vision and like the different, like the details of that vision. I'm just wondering if there's any exercises or practice. Well, certainly, you know, I mean, I think the thing about going through a values clarification exercise and using that as a basis in holistic management where we have the three-part goal or the context and, you know, come up with a quality of life statements that based on values and then going to the next piece about what do we need to produce to achieve that and not only produce, but create, you know, if we need more time to um, for leisure or off-farm learning, you know, how do we create more time? And honestly, with so many people that I work with in agriculture, that time issue keeps coming back time and time again, you know, no pun intended. And then sitting down and thinking about, you know, okay, in that perfect world, what do things look like far out in the in the long term? What do we want our operations to look like? Sometimes it can be a, another tool is to use that part of strategic planning. Um, the five-year vision in a perfect world by 2026, what do you want your life to look like? And always I get people to start individually and really think about that. Think about the knowns. How old will you be? How old will the kids be? What do you want to be doing for work? What do you want to be doing for fun? Who do you want to have around you? And really do that on a personal level. And then you can go to the next step of sharing that with your partner. And then beyond that, it's like, okay, it, you know, in a perfect world, and I know that's a little bit rose-colored glasses, but how would we like this farm to look by 2026? There's some things that I'm pretty clear now when I think about it that I want to make sure in five years, you know, there's been uh, a management transition that the kids are taking that over and we've stepped back, you know? So then some of the stuff isn't going to happen. Then you can work back from that. Okay. Well, what do we need to do? What are the priorities there in the different areas? What do we need to work on this year? Some stuff might not get worked on until year four, but it will give you a really good um, plan. What do we need to start working on today? Having a meeting with your family, right? A family meeting, having a family meeting. Some that uh, that are on this call and that I know of have regular family meetings and some don't. But again, like anything else, um, you know, it just gets easier. Like, I don't know how often you want to have them. The idea of the uh, annual meeting, why not do that? Go someplace fun for the weekend. Have some fun, but do some business. You know, that's not a crazy idea at all. And figuring out a way for a regular communication plan to happen, because as people in agriculture well know, there's some times of the year that are extremely busy. And uh, so you can set aside some of those other meetings when you're in a, a higher production mode. But that bigger overall planning and also making sure 
that there's an awareness of the finances. You know, that that needs to be something if the next generation is going to take over, they need to know the financial situation. And are we, uh, how are we doing in that regard? Does that help you, Derek? By 2026, how do you envision things? I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. It's going to take a lot of work, but <laughs> yeah. I'll give it a go. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Kelly, I got a private message here. Um, what about uh, if your kids are still too young, right? Like they're not at that stage yet. But um, I mean, my first thought on that is, well, that's where a will comes in. So how yeah, does this sure. tie? How does this tie into you know making of your will? Like that's a big part of this as well. Like that, I'm sure that comes up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think you know when the kids are little, you don't have to worry quite so much as when they're in their 20s and 30s uh, wanting to figure these pieces out. But you know, that's an important piece of it. You know, is figuring out how things are covered off in a will because it and making sure that that isn't just a senior generation, because if something happens to the middle generation or a member of that, are those children um, covered? You know, those are complicated pieces of it to, to try to talk about. And, and sometimes you need somebody else to help you uh, have those conversations if they get too difficult. But I mean, even I remember that was a hard thing trying to figure out who the guardians of your kids were going to be. Whoa. That's a long time ago that I had to think of that, but you know, that was a hard thing, you know? So. um, Yeah. That's a, that's a big decision to make uh, at that stage too. And, and how does that, I mean, if you, maybe you're starting a small farm, you bought a quarter of land and you've got some young kids and you're getting going, but how do you transition that to your kids, you know, 15 years after you've, passed away right because you know we've got to try and include that in our conversation even though the kids aren't even at that stage yet yeah yeah so okay I can answer that I think that's when you have to have um, some good trustees and executors involved so that you would know who you know the ranch needs to be managed for the next five to 10 years, you know, somebody that you could, they might not do it, but they could facilitate it until the kids were old enough to decide if they were going to, in fact, be involved in that. I think that's a good uh, and important piece of it, you know, and it does fit into that. Again, you know, the will part of it and who are your trustees and uh, executors, because that's a tricky piece too. I, I like the idea. It's totally fine to have some family, but I don't think it's crazy to have some outsiders, you know, trusted advisors or friends that can play a role in that as well. You know, the other thing that you hear more of all the time is uh, advisory boards. I kind of think that's a neat idea if you had, you know, for the younger generation. So maybe in answer to your question, Steve, it's not just one person, but you could have a three or four group of people that would be, uh, in charge again, maybe not the day-to-day stuff, but they could they could be in charge of the overall. And of course, you'd pick people that have common values and visions to you. Yeah, it could even be like a neighbor that I mean, you know what? I, I want you to be, you know, maybe they're not the executor, but I want you to be, you know, rent out our land until my kids are of age that could, you know, then if they want to, great. If not, then we have a plan B. Yeah. Yeah, but somebody yeah. that you can trust, not, you know, not the neighbor that just wants to take over your land. <laughs> yeah. But someone again, who- trust, you know, the uh, some of you will be familiar with uh, 
the Gibbs triangle that we learned uh, long ago from uh, Don Green, and it has trust and acceptance at the back, at the bottom, and then communication, and then goals, and then control at the top. So the whole idea of that triangle, strong base of trust and acceptance, and then all those other things flow from that. Um, I'm seeing a couple of things, and I'm trying not to read them too much because it distracts me, but uh, there is a rented land piece that Karen's asking. Derek's got it. Okay. Uh, yeah, Karen, actually, did you want to ask your question? Might as well. I was going to go get my tea, but <laughs> I'm going to get Well, it. I like your crocus. Oh, thanks. It's it's my bee butt one. <laughs> oh, good, good. Yeah, that's excellent. How are you, Karen? Nice to oh, see you. Oh, not too bad. It's good to see you, too. Good. Um, my question is a little kind of weird. It's, it's uh, for, for one thing, both both myself and my older brother are um, away from the farm quite quite a, quite a bit away and it's under rent right now and of course my mom is not getting any any younger and the same with same with my father uh, stepfather um, so I'm wondering uh, just as, as the youngest in the family <laughs> you know how how to kind of especially when, when the land is under rent right now how how to kind of I don't know how to kind of go about about things steps. I don't know that, that well, sort of thing. I think that that's a valid point. And it, it's come up with another group that I'm working with. And a lot of those operators have, in that case, it's more absentee landowners, but not necessarily in the community. But I think those are part of our, um, our longer range plans that we have to talk about. And so, you know, for one thing, and I know in our case with some of our landowners, like we don't even have written agreements. We've had a verbal agreement with these people for honestly 50 years. And so I think we need to be more intentional about that. And, you know, that's one piece of it, having more formal agreement, but also trying to make sure that we're cultivating relationships so that you as the next generation landowner, know who these people are that are renting, that are renting your land. And maybe it can be, you know, however you do your communication with receiving payment, you know, maybe that's one time that, hey, can you pop coffee because Karen's here and I'd like you to meet her. And, and maybe that's, you're going to be, end up facilitating that depending on how comfortable your mom and stepdad are about it. But I think it's important to really start making sure there is some transition happening with, with rented land, not just owned land too. Yeah. So that's a good question. Does that help a bit, Karen? It's kind of a, a weird one because, you know, I personally, I'd like to go back, get back to the farm. I live in Stellar right now, but I love to get back and um, I kind of start solely taking over things, but still maintain a rent agreement for as long as possible. Because I know if I start start with um, uh, quite a few acres, so a few, few hundred acres anyway, that uh, it would be just too overwhelming for me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Kind of a dumb move too, you know, so. And and maybe part of it then is thinking, I'm just thinking outside of the box here, but or on the fly, is that, you know, suggesting to your 
mom and stepdad, hey, can I be a bit more active in in this process? And can I visit with them or meet them and give them some direction? They might welcome that. You know, maybe the having to figure out whatever the agreement is, you know, is becoming burdensome. So uh, it might mean you have to open the door a little bit and say, hey, what do you what would you think about this? Can we go meet that person? And you'd like to build some future conversations or something like yeah, that. So especially with, with the ranchers, because they like I know they have, I've filled their heads and they're drain their ears out or whatever the saying is that about what I want to do though, you know, but uh but to get to meet the ranchers and to kind of visit with them, I mean that that'd be that'd be really neat to thing to do to to kind of get get the base because I think that's you said that's that's so important because that that's it is a missing ingredient right right there. So yeah, yeah. 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 Good. Perfect. Okay. Thank you, Kelly. Yeah, you're welcome. Awesome. Thank you, Karen. Great question. All right. Well, we're getting close to the end here. So Kelly, I am going to let you kind of give a closeout statement and then I'm going to oh do my... Oh my God, what am I going to say at the end? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'll uh, I'll thank our sponsors again and, and then we'll close it out. But just, uh, you know, what I know you do some on-farm consulting or maybe right oh, now it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's <laughs> webinar consulting right now or Zoom yeah, consulting. Yeah, well, it depends. It depends. We can be COVID friendly too. Um, yeah, I should... Uh, my, uh, I have a website, sidoryk.com. And if anybody, all my contact info is on that. And it's certainly, you know, and I mean, it can be uh, just to bounce some ideas off. I always like visiting with people. And uh, because like I said, I do feel like, you know, we had, um, it was a gift. And, and sometimes people just need a little bit of help uh, in trying to figure out how to craft these discussions and conversations. And, and again, you know, a little bit at a time, it does get easier, you know, with maybe some of the examples that we used, you know, about just uh, starting to envision that future or looking at the SWOT or what do we value? Why are we doing what we're doing, you know, and, uh, and what's really important to us about this place. And we're lucky. We're so lucky to have this opportunity, you know? Um, awesome. Um, Kelly, if you can type your, uh, maybe, uh, okay. Yeah, just type it into chat, any contacts you want, any links. Um, I know, uh, honestly, when Kelly came out to our place, uh, it was a, an, an awesome opportunity. It was such a great way to communicate and, and interact with each other. Uh, Kelly's a fantastic, uh, facilitator. I would highly recommend her to everybody. So, um, by any means, if, if you want to do that, or Kelly also teaches, uh, the full holistic management course. Um, I don't know if you have any planned right now, Kelly, but, uh, in the future. Well, we were hoping to be able to pull one off. We're doing a very small Zoom virtual one, but we're doing what I think many other people are doing that this is a next fall country, right? Fall of 2021, winter 2021. Just wait for great things uh, to happen. So thank you so much for having me. And again, you know, I just, uh, I, I um, really know that people are so well-intended and they just often need a little bit of help and just encouragement. So if nothing else, you know, if people go away from tonight and just think, okay, here's an important conversation, I'm going to start. Uh, you won't get it all. Rome wasn't built in a day, um, but just starting the process of what might this place look like and what do we as a family want to look like in the future. So Awesome. Thank you very much, Kelly. Really appreciate you being here tonight. Um, 
Derek, thank you very much for hosting. You did a fantastic job. Uh, Rural Roots to uh, Climate Solutions. If you want to type any of your information in the chat too, just so people have that contact, that would be great. Um, thanks for everybody that come out. Um, we're going to close it out here. Thanks to Grow and the uh, Grey Wooded Forge Association. Um, we're not done yet. Anybody who's listening to this on a podcast, uh, you're going to miss the best part of the night. It's the after networking networking that starts now. So um, we're not kicking you off here by any means. Um, stay tuned and we will uh, keep this rolling, but uh, it'll be a, a lot more informal. And honestly, at the end of a conference, right right now, they tell you that the washrooms are down the hall to the left. The bar is open. Um, and, uh, you know, let's, let's have some networking now as well. So uh, thank you very much for attending and uh, we'll see you next Wednesday.